had a good day of sitting. It's a blessing. We're very lucky people to be able to spend a day like this. And I'm sure uh, it will have many unforeseen benefits in the future. And welcome everybody to the Everyday Zen uh, 2024 winter spring practice period, our 19th annual practice period. Probably some of you showed up this morning and you had no idea uh, that it was a practice period. Maybe you never heard of a practice period, you have no idea what it is. I checked the listing on the uh, San Francisco Zen Center website and it said that this was just a generic all-day sit, good for newcomers as well as experienced people. So maybe you were a little shocked and surprised when I made that outrageous statement at the beginning of the sitting and whacked my stick on the floor three times. Maybe those of you who were really shocked by this are no longer here. <laughs> maybe you're gone already. Maybe you left immediately after that, I don't know. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. Too late anyway. Th then we had the strange and wonderful Shusa ceremony, and some of you probably were shocked that Anlor tried to get out of being Shusa, uh, but uh, in the end agreed to it. So there, there's about 150 of you, 155 of you who are uh, in the practice period, who filled out the application and are officially uh, part of the practice period, I assume many of you in the room here are. But everybody in the room anyway is, uh, whether you intended it or not, an uh, unofficial member of the practice period. Sorry, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> so I will briefly explain uh, the Zen tradition of Ango, or practice period. It is said to have begun uh, during the Buddha's time, uh, when uh, during the rainy season the monks could not any longer travel in small groups as they generally did. So they all came together in a shelter place uh, for the rains retreat. And in China and Japan, this tradition uh, 
of an annual retreat was continued and developed by the time of Dogen, who founded our Soto school in Japan about 800 years ago or so. The practice period was a 90-day summer retreat marked by certain rituals and observances, something like the ones we did this morning. And a feature of a practice period, most of the time, is that it has a head student, a head monk, Shuso. I think the word Shuso means first seat. And it is a great honor and privilege to serve as Shuso. And it's an important rite of passage for a Zen priest or a lay practitioner. And we are honored and privileged to have Anlor serve this year as our Shuso. And the duties of the Shuso are mostly to show up. She gives a few talks during the practice period. She has tea with, we hope, all the participants. But the most important thing is that she is here in her seat. She is uh, an exemplar. She expresses the spirit of the practice period, uh, simply in her everyday, moment-by-moment conduct. Here in America, we started doing practice periods at Tassajara Zen Shinji Monastery in the late 1960s. We had a custom of doing them twice a year. Uh, we had a fall practice period and a winter-spring practice period. During the practice period, uh, no one was allowed to leave the monastery and there were no visitors. It was 90 days of very intense practice, mostly in silence, deep in the mountains, very much in the spirit of the way our Zen and Chan ancestors practiced in ancient times. Kathy and I were lucky to have attended four or five practice periods when we lived full-time at Tassajara in the late 1970s. And I was able to attend uh, several more uh, as abbot of Zen Center. And many years later, we did another one in 2019. And some of you were there. During the 1990s, uh, the Zen Center began experimenting with shorter residential practice periods here at Green Gulch and non-residential practice periods at the city center. And these were innovations that were radical. Some people felt they were ill-advised that really to have a practice period, it had to be 90 days and it had to be in a monastery and it had to be cloistered. And then, here at Everyday Zen, where we don't even have a temple, we began doing practice periods that involved people who were far away. People who couldn't come to the temple for daily activities, the temple that we didn't have. <laughs> so now we have been doing this that way for the 19th, 19 years. 
and, and now I think other Zen centers around the country also do some version of this. But the essential spirit and meaning and purpose of practice period is just the same for us as it was in the Buddha's time. To take a special period of time joining together with others to focus attention on our practice. To have a serious intention during this time to live a bit more quietly to sit more and more regularly and make a bigger effort than we usually do to extend our practice into all the activities of the day. So this is what we're doing starting today and for the next 70 days. Dogen has a fascicle in Shobogenzo called Ango, practice period. And that's where the Dharma statement that I read this morning comes from. And as you could hear in that statement, Dogen understands practice period in a wide and cosmic way. For Dogen, ordinary time and space are not as they appear to be. Every moment of time is all-inclusive and every particle of space is a complete Buddha land. According to Dogen, we are always doing practice period and practice period is nothing but the Buddhas and ancestors inhabiting our lives all of the time. And this is the real life that we are living, whether we understand it or not. So when we do practice period in the ordinary world we live in, our effort is to realize what Dogen is talking about and, and to live it. As he says, when you uh, open the practice period, you might think something is beginning and when you close it, you might think something is ending, but you have been covered with beginning and ending all the time. And you always have been, and you always will be. And yet, really, nothing at all much happens in practice period. As he says, there's not a blade of grass for 10,000 miles, so you would not be wrong to demand your money back. In the fascicle, he quotes uh, an old Chan priest, Sishin, who says, my practice life of 30 years amounts to one 90-day summer practice period, not a day more, not a day less. Dogen's uh, fascicle uh, on practice period is actually one of the longer fascicles in Shobogenzo. And after uh, the introduction, which sets the tone, 
The rest of it is very specific details about the many ritual observances that were done in ancient Japan during a practice period. I was saying the other day, repetition is the soul of religious practice. You just do something over and over and over and over again, year after year after year, and by virtue of that, it is, it, it is a ritual. And when you do that, you begin to feel time and space in the way Dogen speaks of it. To sit down in zazen is itself a ritual. We bow to our cushion, we bow away, we spin around, face the wall, every day year after year, decade after decade. I used to be really impressed when I heard about 30 years of practice, like Sishin says. 30 years is a metaphorical number, meaning lots of time. But this year, I think, is 54 years that I've been doing Zazen, more or less, every day. And yes, it feels like about 90 days. Not a day more. Not a day less. All our rituals are like this. Putting on the robe. Bowing chanting a sutra, offering incense, doing any ceremony. These religious gestures evoke timeless time. There is no other kind of time. But it's so easy to miss this when we are rushing around doing this and that it seems so important. Practice has changed a lot since Dogen's time. Although we do maintain various rituals during practice period and the rest of the year, we don't do any of the rituals that Dogen describes in the way that he describes them. This is because those rituals assume an ancient world, a very specific kind of monastery with various details of monastic architecture and particular customs that are no longer understood or upheld. I think it would be all but impossible to reconstruct the practice period Dogen is describing in this fascicle. I don't even think they can do it at a Heiji monastery that he himself started in the 13th century and that still operates in Japan with practice periods every year. I don't think they can do it there, let alone here in the barbarian West, where as far as I know, 
no practice period anywhere, including in the monastery at Tassajara, is sanctified and certified by the Japanese Soto Church as an official practice period. Not to mention our rather funky everyday Zen practice periods. We won't even talk about that. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, time remains eternal. And human beings are Buddhas. So we do our best. That's what Dogen did too. He did his best. We don't have monasteries to depend on. So we have to depend on the seriousness of our effort and our intention, on our essential Buddha nature, and on one another to certify and sanctify our practice period. At the end of the fascicle, Dogen tells this story. Once upon a time, the Buddha was leading a practice period. And on the last day, during the Pravarana ceremony, when all the monastics come to confess their various faults and failings during the practice period, on the last day, Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of Transcendent Wisdom, suddenly showed up in the assembly. And Ma Kashapa, who was the Eno, the disciplinarian, said to him, Manjushri, where have you been? Where have you spent the practice period? Manjushri said, I have spent it in three places. A demon's palace, a wealthy man's house, and a brothel. Mahakashapa was shocked and immediately assembled the monks to announce that he was about to expel Manjushri from the order. And as he lifted the mallet to strike the sounding board, the Han that calls all the monks to assemble, he suddenly saw in front of him and all around him in all directions countless monasteries with countless Manjushris and countless Mahakashapas holding countless mallets to strike countless Hans in order to expel those countless Manjushris. Just at that moment, Buddha appeared and said to him, which of these countless Manjushris are you going to expel? And Mahakashapa was dumbfounded. 
Dogen then, after telling the story, quotes Yuan Wu, who commented on the story, saying this. Mahakashapa made it to the ferry station, but Manjushri's sitting rides the waves through unlimited space. Dogen then went on. He said, the entire world is Manjushri, and the entire world is Mahakashapa. So although Mahakashapa practiced practice period in one place, while Manjushri practiced in three places, Manjushri was not a non-participant in the practice period. Those who are non-participants in the practice period are non-Buddhas and non-Bodhisattvas. And there are no non-Buddhas and non-Bodhisattvas. Since everyone is a Buddha and a Bodhisattva, everyone practices practice period. So this is why I say that everybody here in the room is officially or unofficially a member of our everyday Zen practice period. Whether you practice in one place or three places or a thousand places, for the next 70 days, you are all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, and everything you will do will be sacred activity. Please know that and honor it. The more you are devoted to this reality, the better it will be. Thank you all for filling out your practice period applications. And Laura and I have read them, and I had a good time reading them. I think we have 154 participants. Every single one of you is an extraordinary person. Lots of you are everyday Zen regulars. And I know you really well. So it is a joy to join you old Zen buzzards once again for Ango. We do it every year. We'll keep doing it until we can't. There's lots of others that I also know, but I know less well. And there are some that I don't know at all. I can tell from your applications that a lot of you are older people who have suffered many troubles and understand very well what happens as life goes on. And I do not have to tell you how essential it is for human beings to develop an authentic and firm sense of spiritual practice with a community and with support. We really need this. A lot of you understand that very well. Almost all of you have practiced a lot over many years in various traditions. Many of you are Zen priests and spiritual teachers. So really and truly, this is an awesome community of practitioners.
And so I feel at the beginning that whether or not you are familiar with our Soto Zen way, you have done a lot of practice, and there's nothing that I am here to teach you that you don't already know. So we're just going to practice together and help one another. Many of you wrote in your applications that you'd like to get to know our community because you know how important it is to have a shared sense of practice together. And I hope our Dharma meetings and our small group discussions, especially your conversations with your practice partners, will help all of you to feel part of a community. That's why we're, we've changed our schedule to enable us to have Dharma talk at the end of the day when we can have some small and large group discussions at our all-day sits every month from now on. Let me say just a word about practice partners. These regular focused conversations with a fellow practitioner are an essential element of our practice period. Some of you will be paired with people you requested and know well, but some of you have been paired randomly, which means that it's always possible that the matchup won't work out for one reason or another. And if that does happen, let us know. And I hope all of you will be good practice partners for one another, which means mostly that you will listen as much as you speak, and I think we have a structured way of having these conversations to make sure of that, and that you will be really open and sensitive to one another. You will really listen to each other. The theme for our practice period is embracing Zazen, and our text is Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, a book that many of you have read more than once. Suzuki Roshi's wonderful expression of the Dharma. We'll talk a lot about these things for the next 70 days. But for now, let me just say that Zazen is simply sitting in the middle of our human life, which is a precious and unknowable gift that should never be taken for granted. If you're suffering a lot and you think, ah, oh, this life, remind yourself that it's thanks to being alive that you're suffering. If you were dead, you wouldn't be suffering. It's better to be alive. Please sit every day of these 70 days. Please sit with passion and with your whole heart. Embrace Zazen and let Zazen embrace you. 
I close with a few words from Suzuki Roshi's prologue to Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. People say that practicing Zen is difficult, but there is a misunderstanding as to why. It is not difficult because it is hard to sit in a cross-legged position or to attain enlightenment. It's difficult because it's hard to keep our mind pure and our practice pure in its fundamental sense. The Zen school developed in many ways after it was established China, in China, but at the same time it became more and more impure. But I don't want to talk about that. I'm interested in helping you keep your practice from becoming impure. For Zen students, the most important thing is not to be dualistic. Our original mind includes everything within itself. It is rich and sufficient within itself. You should not lose your natural, self-sufficient state of mind. This is not a closed mind, but an empty mind and a ready mind. If your mind is empty, it is always ready for anything, open to everything. The beginner's mind has many possibilities. The expert's mind has few. If you discriminate too much, you limit yourself. If you are too demanding, too greedy, your mind is not rich and self-sufficient. If we lose our original self-sufficient mind, we will lose all precepts. When your mind becomes demanding, when you're looking for something, you'll end up violating your precepts. Not to tell lies, not to steal, not to kill, not to be immoral, and so forth. If you keep your original mind, the precepts will keep themselves. In the beginner's mind, there's no thought, I have attained something. All self-centered thoughts limit our vast mind. When we have no thought of achievement, no thought of self, we are true beginners. Then we can really learn something. And the beginner's mind is the mind of compassion. When our mind is compassionate, it is boundless. Dogen Zenji, the founder of our school, always emphasized how important it is to resume our boundless original mind. Then we are always true to ourselves, always in sympathy with all beings. And then we can actually practice. So now it's my pleasure to introduce our Shuso, Lord Avon, who was going to introduce herself and then read you a few brief excerpts from the practice period application so you'll be able to hear the words of some of your Sangha mates. And this will be short so that we can have time for our discussions and conversations. Thank you for listening.
Do you need this lectern? Can you just pass it over? Can you help with this? Thank you, Norman and everyone. I don't know if I need to say my name again. Anne Lor. Peut-être que je dois le dire en français, because I'm French. So maybe I should say it in French. Anne Lor. <laughs> um, so I was born and raised for 23 years in France. And 23 years later, I uh, immigrated to the United States. I had a son, now 32, lives in Sausalito, not too far, like me. in um, well a big um, turning page in my life was uh, when I was finally I was really getting very ill and I was finally properly diagnosed as autistic and then um, since that, and thank God for Zen pride and Zazen, I just started to get little by little better. And here I am. Thank you. Oh, and I should say too about my practice a little bit. So 25 years ago, I came to live at Green Gulch here. I would have never thought 25 years ago that here I would be. I mean, I was... Norman was the abbot at that time. And uh, by luck for me, when I was about to leave Gringos after six months, because I had to take care of my son and stuff. Well, anyway. Um, there was a sign-up sheet 
in the dining room for everyday Zen. And so I signed up. Now for the next 10 years when I became more and more ill, let's face it, I was not very much a part of everyday Zen, except I came sometimes to the old day sit back uh, at the headlands. Um, also, when I moved to Marin, I wanted to sit in person more, and I, I started to sit with uh, Steve Stuckey's Sangha. And then I could no longer attend the evenings, so I started to go. I tried to find a place in Marin where I could go sit in the morning, and that was with Leila Buckhorst, Smith, Smith Buckhorst. Both of them are now gone. And I'm more and more active with everyday Zen. And here I am. Thank you. That's it for my, I hope. <laughs> so now I'm going to read to you um, the um, applications. Now, it's actually 158 people by now. So I'm not going to read all of them. <laughs> Just a few. Um, I'm going to start here. Their intentions. Intentions. I'm not going to even look at the names. I mean, just intention. It feels more basic this year. Connection. Connection to Zazen. To the breath and body. To the teachings. To the practice community. Connection to my family. To the human family. To my own strange short life. Slow down. Simplify. Focus more on silent sitting and spiritual reading. And dare I say, I would like to bring God back into my practice. To be more immersed in the three refuges while living my daily life. I have been feeling for some time that I need to deepen my practice. This has been intensified with my new medical diagnosis. Even though I will be unable to participate in some parts of the practice period, I believe that this is my best next step. And it will offer the opportunity to finally explore deeply and finish Suzuki Roshi's book. My intentions are to practice with a local Williamston Zen group, to come to as many of the EDZ practice period events as I can, to bring more ritual formality into my everyday practice, to fully memorize the Japanese chants that I know well enough to chant in a group but not well enough to chant with any confidence on my own. To hold these intentions lovingly and loosely.
I have been practicing meditation and studying Buddhism since the late 1970s with a 10-year hiatus in the late 1980s. I took refuge vows with Ozel Tenzin Trungpa Rinpoche's named hair, studied for two years with the Dzogchen Ponlap Rinpoche, and after that for two years with Ken MacLeod. I have been studying and practicing with Norman and EDZ since 2003 to practice the Dharma anew from beginner's mind, to let go of whatever I think I know of Zen, to better accept that Zen is after all unknowable, and that I always, always am a beginner to the vastness and deeper meanings of the teachings, and to try to embrace and live the compassion that always resides at the center of any of our Zen teaching. To take my Bodhisattva vows seriously. Studying Zen mind, beginner's mind, is a journey back to the very beginning of Zen practice for me. At this time, I'm committing to one hour of rereading and reflecting on my journals, beginning in 1978, as a gratitude practice, along with the early morning sittings, 7.30 meeting, sittings, metta offerings, practice leader conversations, all-day sittings, Dharma seminar, ceremonies, and sashim. I have recently skipped a few EDZ events and offerings in an effort to complete a project I've been working on. My intention in entering the 2024 practice period is to try to reverse, reset, or at least clarify this tendency by accepting Anne Lore's invitation, as I'm imagining it right now, to embrace Zazen more fully by making it more fully a part of my life. So for starters, my basic intention is simply to follow the 2024 practice period schedule, which entails showing up for the two additional periods of Zazen each day. To participate strongly in the activities, to treasure, embrace, and take good care of Zazen, to send metta to my brother, both in meditation and in my actions, to value beauty, to focus on the phrase written on my rakasu, a pearl in a bowl rolls by itself, from case 36 of the Book of Serenity. I'm not in the mood for a practice period, but my inner Buddha, with a big smile, says, that's okay, show up anyway. So I hope to sit and find some peace, and embody this body that is continually disappointing me. I will use this practice period to follow the precepts with a renewed curiosity and trust that change can, every now and then, be my friend. My intention is to expand my presence and open heart to extend into the world in actions that support the well-being of all, 
I'd like to return to a daily sitting practice. I'd also like to work toward equanimity and grace in the lead-up to the 2024 elections. As a person in their late 50s, I'm eager to make sure that I'm awake and acting with compassion during the time I have left. My intention is to continue to explore the experience of Sangha, albeit over Zoom. I've had to travel long distances to be with a Sangha in person over my years of Zen practice. That, coupled with my introverted nature, leaves this Sangha leg of practice very wobbly. Go deeper, go quieter, go stiller. Hear, see, feel more clearly. To deepen my meditation practice, to enter the Dharma with more frequency, and to more fully blur the line between myself and others. I would like to use this practice period to focus on being part of a Sangha instead of what I mainly consider solo practice. I feel very aligned and comfortable practicing with the EDZ group. So far, I have listened to a lot of lectures and participated in a couple of all-day sitting events. This year, my intentions are to trust the universe and the Sangha more in my daily interactions by turning toward the root causes of anxiety and fear. In addition to attending practice period events, I will continue writing one haiku every day. I want to be part of an international, no, intentional structure in order to deepen my practice as well as sharpen my focus. To increase everyday awareness of my living presence and the world around me. I have several Dharma study groups and I'm not looking for more study of scriptures or texts. In entering this practice period, I intend to be in alignment with my vows. My intention is to deepen my practice with less me, more us, deeper understanding, and worked on these within this community. Sit more. To increase time consciously practicing, sitting, studying, and also the awareness with which I am walking through life. Embrace and engage with the reading. Be in my body versus mind. More during daily zazen. Start each day with gratitude. I have entered into, my, into many practice periods over the years, and every year I think the same thing when asked this question. My intentions are not specific, but to continue practicing as deeply as I can in my life. I am committed to attending and participating in as many of the practice period activities as possible. I would like to deepen my practice, specifically focusing on the habit of aversion. Not sure I have any intentions. I'm drawn to the opportunity of more zazen, more inward time, 
and studying Suzuki Roshi's teaching again with a changed perspective. If there is a hint of intention, it might be a deeper understanding of open mind. How to see each moment as passing. My intentions entering the practice period are to deepen my spiritual practice and commitment to the Dharma. I also have a deep longing to be part of a real person community that is working together from the heart to benefit others and help our ailing planet to heal. I look forward to focusing my practice and study with friends and Sangha members of everyday Zen. In my application last year, I framed my intention as to shout less at my loved ones. This year, I have refined my intention to practice silence. I'm used to thinking of silence as oppression, as cowardice, as a missed opportunity for communion and intimacy. Over the last year, though, I've gotten feedback that my words are hurting my family members. They tend to inflame my spouse's anger and inspire fear in my son. So I'm going to try communicating with them more through presence, helpful action, and maybe more helpful non-action rather than speech. My intention is to see deeply and wholeheartedly to allow whatever arises to come and to let go with grace. Opportunity to study, concentrate and intensify my practice and heart while learning from others in supportive community. I am especially drawn to practice pure thing of Zen mind, beginner's mind, focusing on the clarifying, settling power of Zazen itself on and off the mat as I move into a new chapter in my life. Stepping in, bowing, beginning again and again, snow in a silver bow. We have time, I think, to sit in groups together. And uh, very simply, um, those of you on the ton can just move your cushions around on the ton and constitute groups of three right around where you're sitting. Those of you sitting in chairs on the floor can do the same with your chairs, make a little clatch, the three of you. So let's do that now and do it in about a minute or two or less. Yes, and people online will go into groups of three, but before you do that, uh, let me give you a prompt.
So if it uh, turns out that there's a group of four or a group of two, that's okay. But mo more or less, everybody's in a group of three. And uh, in your groups, I would like you to take uh, three minutes, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna time you, and we'll ring a bell at the end of three minutes. So three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, and if you happen to be in a group of four, you'll have to adjust. If uh, if there's two groups of four in other parts of the room, you know, you can peel off one and make groups of two. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's four, but if there's one group of four, that's okay. This is a group of four here. There, it looks like there's two groups of four, so you could make it three, three, and two. But let's do it quickly. So uh, let's take, first of all, uh, first thing to do when you start is introduce yourself, say your name. That's all, just your name, and maybe the, where you're from. And then speak for three minutes about what you understand, what you feel, what comes to your mind when I say to you, embrace Zazen. What do you, what do you want to say when I ask you to speak about embrace Zazen. So the, the people online can now go into their groups. We'll give them a minute or two to do that. I see one group of four, two groups of four, three groups of four. Is that right? If you're in a group of four, ra raise your hand. So how about if those two groups of four, uh, one person leaves and joins, an, uh, and we have a, no more groups of four. We have two here. Okay, so there's one can go there. Okay. All right, so I think we're just about ready to start. Three minutes, three minutes, and three minutes. Eva needs a chair so she can sit on the end of the time like that. So I'm asking you all to speak about, just to say whatever comes to your mind for three minutes. What does it mean to you? How do you feel? What do you want to say about embracing Zazen? Whatever comes to your mind. And if nothing comes to your mind, you can sit in silence for the three minutes. I'll ring a bell in three minutes. So the first person can go ahead and begin to speak.